This is Chris Bartlett from The Mandalorian, and this is the FSF Podcast. The show that helps you hide the droids that they've been looking for. Our show is brought to you by our charity sponsor, the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fund, which supports the Wake Upon a Teen Foundation to help out sick kids when they need it most. Just imagine the comfort you'll give Red Shirt Crewbot number 2BB4. It'll know that when it puts on the red shirt and joins C-3PO and R2-D2 in delivering a message to Obi-Wan, that he didn't leave its family destitute and without hope, because the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fund has its back and what's left of its restraining bolt. So our guest today was the first actor to ever portray C-3PO on the Disney Channel. He's been a number of droids in shows like The Book of Boba Fett and Mandalorian, as well as having served as a user experience director for video games such as The Gears of War, Tomb Raider, Call of Duty, and even Star Wars. So we're very excited and so very proud to welcome Chris Bartlett to the FSF Podcast. Welcome to the show, Chris. Thank you so much for having me, guys. I've really been looking forward to it. Yeah, likewise. Yeah, we uh, when when we started looking over your IMDb list, I was like, "Wait a minute!" So he's C three PO, and a lot of the stuff that I've seen C three PO in, this is kind of cool. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm yeah, I'm a massive Star Wars nerd. So for me, this is me trying to hold in my giggly voice. And, oh, just get, uh, just just let it go. It's gonna happen at some point. It's just it's. <laughs> But between that and the, you know, and uh, then I, I see the Tuscan Raider behind you, and I'm just like, hi. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, that would I'm, scare the crap out of me at night. That's though. better. No. <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine like getting up to like? Gonna... Yes. Can you imagine like getting up in the middle of the night to like go use the bathroom though, and there's just a Tuscan Raider standing in the corner? That scare the crap out of me. It'd yeah. only be only be better if it actually did the voice when it was like a motion sensor. Oh. You know. Anyway, okay. <laughs> Oh. That was a really bad impression. <laughs> Nightmare fuels him. <laughs> All right. So, Chris, there's been uh, several people who have voiced C-3PO in various forms of media. Uh, but as far as I can tell, and please feel free to correct me if I am wrong, uh, other than Anthony Daniels, though, you are the only actor to physically portray C-3PO. So the question is, how did you get here? And... <laughs> Like, how did you become the TV and live appearance uh, C-3PO? Not to mention the 3PO that gets to meet the president in the first family. Right. Well, just to correct you, there uh, there have been others. Okay. Um, Grant Imahara, who passed uh, last year, I believe, was was also one uh, who portrayed C-3PO. Uh, okay. Just, just, just before I did. Um, but uh, anyway... How did I how did I get to do that? Um, well, I spent uh, three years building my own costume, and uh, and then I was called to do an audition uh, by by fan relations at Lucasfilm, and um, so I uh, they flew me out. I I brought the costume and uh, we did an audition, and you know when you're building the costume, the whole dream is that. Y- you know, wouldn't it be cool if someone at Lucasfilm saw this this costume and thought that it was worthy in some way of of uh, being able to you know be used in in uh, in official capacity of some sort? 
Um, but of course, that's never going to happen because I'm just Chris Bartlett in my garage at home, you know, working on this at two o'clock in the morning. Um, <laughs> and uh, but ultimately, that that I did get a call, and um, so I, I just I had been working on the voice for about um, about two and a half months, where I was working on it, uh, listening to it to and from my uh, during my commute, and and just working on it. So. I, I tried to try to get a, a good approximation, and so when they put on the costume and and turned on the eyes, um, I just said, uh, "My goodness, why hello! I am C three PO, human cyborg relations, and uh, this is my counterpart R two D two." You know, and uh, so they said, "Oh, great! You can do the voice too." Um, they didn't ask me to do the voice. I I just. Uh, you know, we're just all having fun. We're 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 building characters and and uh, trying to tell uh, what what you know. For my for my audition, I was just trying to do a a good job with the character, and so I was just bringing everything that I could. And um, so we got on a plane and flew to Australia, where um, I gave a presentation to a voice track of C three PO, and and uh, and I did all the body and the animation and. And that was kind of the audition. And then uh, I came back and I said, hey, this was amazing. Thank you so much for the opportunity. And, you know, if you need any, need me again, just give me a call. So then they just kept calling. <laughs> and so, oh, cool. um, yeah, so uh, the one of the literally, let's see, I guess that would have been 2009. So that was three. So three years later was when, when I got the call to go. To Washington D.C., um, but in between there, I'm doing things like filming commercials and, and mm -hmm. uh, special appearances on television and stuff. So that was in a in a nutshell. That's how I got the job: build a costume, prepared by learning the mannerisms and the voice, and then they called me and I was ready. So that was it. That's super cool. That's awesome. Thanks. We've had an opportunity to to interview di several different cosplayers over yeah. the years and, and people who have built some significantly impressive gear. And yeah. uh, as a matter of fact, our first interview was with a guy who built a Captain Rex uniform. And wow. it, it is it is entirely screen accurate and it is mm -hmm. it's amazing. And you know, so all of a sudden I'm thinking, you know, like him and a couple other guys that I know that do and we also interviewed a guy who does Iron Man. And hmm. he built he built the whole Iron Man suit with the robotics and the lights and everything and it's just yeah it's very detailed the way that some some guys have gotten into this and i'm like how cool it'd be for for somebody like that now that you've had this experience and this is you know how you got in for somebody else to have that that it's just mm -hmm. it's a really cool story you know um but yeah, yeah right. i think i think a lot of people think about that you know how cool it'd be to for somebody to notice my 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 costume what I, the work i've done right right so, and not not only that, but then to to, you know, it's it'd be it really would be enough for you know someone at Lucasfilm to say, oh, this this looks really great, good job, you know that that would have been great, um, but then to, to then to have have it used in in a way that was um, to work with them, not not as a fan invite kind of situation, but as a we are going to portray this character in an official manner. That was uh, just a dream come true. So that, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So I, and, and just to give you some context, I was uh, 
36 when I was cast. Um, and I'd always wanted to do um, character work, you know, but life happens and I'm doing my own regular jobs. Um, and then this, this happened and I was just like, this is what I was, I was made for. So. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's awesome. That yeah. And I love cosplay. I love costumes. My mom is a seamstress and anytime I'm like, Hey, will you make this for me? She has, even though I'm 30, she'll still do that for me. And even more so now the, hey, mom, my daughter wants yeah. this. Oh yeah, no, anything that my, my daughter says, my mom is like, oh yeah, got it, easily done. My right. mom made my wedding dress and like every detail that I wanted, she did specifically, perfectly. My dress had pockets, like it was- <laughs> That's important. It yeah. really is. People really underestimate how important pockets are. Well, I mean, I, 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 I want to say, um, aren't we blessed to have parents who support our creativity um, in, in a way that, um, you know, like my parents, I was seven years old and I wanted to be Luke Skywalker for Halloween and they put together and sewed a costume that was, you know, pretty legitimate for, for that time. And, uh, I really felt like I, I look nothing like Mark Hamill, okay? But I really felt in that moment that I was indistinguishable from Luke Skywalker, you know? Sure. And so, so uh, and, and can, to this day, you know, they're still very supportive and very, uh, we're, we're so, those of us who have parents that are supported that way is just really blessed. It's the best. And I love to, like, with my mom, the, her love of sewing came from her mom. And to the point where my mom's going to a rent fest with us next month. And the last time we were at my mom's house, I turned and I'm like, caught something caught the side of my eye. And I'm like, are you making garb for the rent fest for yourself? <laughs> yes. I love that. I love that so much. Like she's got her, her character idea down. She's got her, her outfit ready. I'm like, this is great. But talking about costumes, talking about droids specifically, I mean, that is, that's a lot more structure than untypical costume so what is the process like for getting into the suit to play a droid whichever model it is that you're playing well um <clears throat> for those who don't know i'm known for playing the walking droids not the rolling ones and uh and so to put them on i mean they're all variations of c-3po basically right so so i'm able to take what i've built and and do a variety of of characters and uh but basically to put them all on it's 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 all this it's pretty much the same and so i have a really talented dresser uh he's an expert in costume building and fabricating and and also he's a great uh, uh friend and so um and uh anyway to put it on i mean I don't know how do you put it on you you do the shorts first and then the legs and then <laughs> you know one one <laughs> one leg at a time you do it just like I guess anybody, but uh, to, you know, you're sliding on these these fiberglass pieces, um, and uh, you screw them together or latch them together or whatever, and then and then comes the uh, putting on the head, and the head is, you know, if you look at three um, PO, I just happen to have one here, um, you know, you see the the little black circles in the middle of his eyes. Can you see those there? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah that's all you can see through. So um, when you put it on, you're basically putting a, 
uh, a, a blank helmet on your head with, with just tiny, tiny peoples. And so um, that's really the least, I think, for anybody who's, who's just going to start doing it, the least comfortable part of it, because um, you tend to, uh, you know, like when we watch Iron Man and we see Robert Downey Jr. in the helmet, you know, we see him like, looking around and there's all these interfaces and everything um if you if you look when you first put it on you tend to like want to look around inside the helmet because it's not exactly right here right um and that can that can tend to make you feel a little more a little claustrophobic because you're bolted together you can't take it off um and so what i've learned is you look through the eyes out to what's out in front of you and you know what's out in front of you there's smiling faces <laughs> there's amazing sets there's spaceships and r2 units and there's all such great stuff out there that um that's what you focus on um the cameras are out there the lights your co-stars every, every everybody and so anyway that's that's what i've done um and that that really helps and then you know sometimes you're standing there for a long long <laughs> long time and so you either have an expert dresser who can pop the head for you whenever you need, or you get you, I've gone into this, you know, kind of Zen, you know, state where I can just close my eyes and nothing else is happening. I'm just relaxing. So that's, that's part of the, um, part of the, what goes into wearing the costume. It's not just putting it on. There's also the animation that goes into it, you know, like performing actually as a droid, um, and uh and the endurance of it and then also you know not only of the discomfort but but also you know not not being able to sit down and 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 that so anyway it's all there's a there's a lot lot more to it than um than slipping on a um a rope kind of you know right um but you well, know you you figure it out and you practice it just takes practice right so i've been doing it for 16 years and i've gotten pretty good I don't think many people think about the fact that you can't sit down. <laughs> yeah, never. You can't sit down. In order, you know, like like uh, C-3PO here, his, his, and any droid here, the shorts go into the legs. So you're fused basically from the waist down to your knees that you can't bend anywhere oh. here. So, you know, I'm not, I'm, I don't want you to take this like I'm complaining. No, okay, I'm, not, no. I'm in Star Wars. I can't complain. Okay, I'm, I'm just describing <laughs> for you. I'm just describing for you the context of of the costume. Yeah, yeah no, that's because I, I feel like that's that's stuff that people would fail to notice or not even think about. Of the no, you don't have C3PO doesn't have hip joints. Like there right. is no there's no bending. There's no twisting there. You but, have seen C3PO in the film sit down. However, those scenes are all, uh, there are special things that have to happen. You don't see him sit up and sit and sit down, right? right. He's, he's sat down and then they cut the, cut the shorts or the costume part so that it just fits on him to, so while he's sitting down, right? That's You've it. You've seen him worn as a backpack too, but we also know that that's not necessarily going to happen all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been a backpack, no. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. I don't think it would be comfortable. No. So, Chris, you built a career as a user experience director in video games. Right. And it's probably exactly what it sounds like, but I was a little confused as to what exactly that is. Yeah. Well, um, the experience of the game 
is what what we're talking about like what what is it like is it fun is it easy to understand uh is it does it make you want to come back for more um those kinds of things that's what the experience is and when you're playing is it satisfying um uh those those kinds of things so a smaller part of user experience is user interface so they usually put those two together, user user experience and user interface. It's UX, UI, they call it. So okay. uh, I started out as a graphic designer, and I was designing interfaces, you know, like websites or interactive things or games, uh, you know. And the things that you design are like heads-up displays and uh, targeting reticles and um, uh, menus and uh, character customization screens and stuff like that. That's user interface. And it's all part of the experience and how the game talks to the player, how the, how the game uh, communicates to the player. So uh, as, as, an, as a UI artist, then I became a lead and then I became a director uh, of the entire experience. And, and so that's, I basically make sure that the game is fun and that people don't rage quit. Yeah, that's the, <laughs> and that, that's a lot of work because a lot of times designers are like, I've got, you know, game designers, I've got 47 things I want to, I want to communicate to the player and all of them are equally important. And I'm like, no, they're not. <laughs> there are, you know, you got to pick three of those, you know, and then, right. uh, and then you gotta, you gotta um, trim down the rest of it. But my job is to try and simplify um, uh, it, the experience for players so that, that it's fun and still challenging, but not painfully, you know, uh, challenging, you know, cause you've got to, you've got to, if, if you've got a new game, no one's ever played before. You want to try and get uh, players to once one consider playing the game, you know, trying it and then, and then, you know, and then continue playing it and then coming back for more, like I said. Uh, and those are a lot of, of hurdles to get, get through. Um, and so anyway, I have a, I have some, some formulas I've, I've developed over the years and, and things that I, the way that I run a team and, and uh, I'm usually look for just super talented people and let them do their, their work. And then I'm always hands-on as well. So nice. uh, that's, that's the day job. Hmm. I, I know that I've, I know that I've definitely rage quit more than one video game. Right. Yeah. <laughs> See, it's a, it's a, there's, if you think of a bottle of ketchup, right. There's the bottle that you have to pour, you mm -hmm. know, and it's something it takes a long time and you have to hit it right at the right spot and everything that is a poor user experience right then That's you have the squeezable bottle right the squeezable bottle it's immediate you can feel mm -hmm. it's coming out you can feel when it stops it that's a good user experience so um that's that's just an example one example that totally makes sense though and it, like i'm thinking about like the the one most recently that i rage quit was actually the first part of last of us the, okay i got so freaking frustrated with the yeah. bloaters uh -huh. like the, the first time that you experience the bloater and you're not quite like you're, you're strong enough to be able to do this but mm -hmm. just barely and yeah. I'm so mad and I'm like I'm done I am putting this right. down I am walking away and it was like three months later that I'm like okay I've got time again I can figure this out I can get through sure. it I just I missed that I needed that extra Molotov cocktail. I've got that now. I'm good. I got this. <laughs> good. Not a problem. Right? There it was also, a bottle in a corner that I missed. It also works with audiences. Um, audiences watch something because as a, as a user, 
they are using the piece of entertainment that that we've made. And so if it's if the story is hard to follow or it's slow or it's um, uh, poorly acted, you know, those are, you know, what can lead someone to turn it off, right? Mm-hmm. Or if it's hard to find or if it's yeah. you know, on, on the streaming service or whatever. So um, you, you want, the main thing is you want people, whether they're you players or audiences, you want them to feel something um, with what you've created for them. You know, if you if you, if you shoot a um, uh, let's say you um, shoot an R two unit in a game, and it, and there's all kinds of sparks and everything, and his head pops off and flies off or whatever, like that's satisfying. Maybe not to an R two unit, but to, uh, <laughs> to a player, that's really satisfying and that's that's fun. And when you're watching a film and you see the um, you see the pilot send the proton torpedoes down the exhaust port mm-hmm. and then it blows up like that's exciting that's satisfying um and uh, anyway so it works it works also for uh for audiences and and so i i just i apply both of i apply that to both both audiences basically audiences and players in, in my work that's really awesome. cool though like that is really <laughs> cool to learn about and to Thanks. see from the the other side i guess because I mean, yeah. we're, used to it, we're used to it from the consumer side, but to see it right. from, from the there other side people, of what you guys actually put into it. Right. See that people say, oh, you just play video games all day. No, uh, somebody actually does have to make the games. Right. <laughs> and so that's what we're doing. Um, but then also, you know, you're in Star Wars. Uh, yeah. But somebody also has to make the the Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, we, we do that by writing and uh, and excellent costumes, amazing effects and music and and stories that, um, uh, and direction that are, um, you know, that, that create satisfying experiences for the audiences. And it's a real, it's a big responsibility to tell new Star Wars stories uh, that feel like Star Wars and you, that you feel something like, oh, I hate that character. He's such a bad guy, or I love this character. He's such a, such a hero. Um, yeah, I'm talking about C-3PO, obviously, but oh, um, yeah. So. How could you not love C-3PO? <laughs> I don't know. I guess if you're a scoundrel, maybe you wouldn't. Well, that explains my love for Han, for Han Solo, but okay. <laughs> right. uh, <laughs> I mean, even, even in your love for Han Solo, you still look at C-3PO with the, oh, you're annoying, but I want to keep you. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. I don't even think he's that annoying. I just, I think he's funny, honestly. I, I've always thought that C-3PO's uh, underlying complaints about things and, you know, just, I, it's, it's always amused me how, you know, things were too hot or they were too cold. I'm like, you're a droid, come on. Anyway. Well, he's, uh, he's so out of his element. That's the funny thing about C-3PO is we didn't, we've never really gotten to see him do his job until, um, well, when he's in Return of the Jedi with the Ewoks, where he was translating for them and telling them the story, where there's no danger of him being shot or mm-hmm. or dismantled or disintegrated or melted down, he he was doing his job. And then and then in Kenobi, we did it again, where uh, you saw just for a moment, C-3PO was translating the what the alien was saying to the human characters, and right. um, all the rest of the time he's out of fish out of water. He is not where he's supposed to be and that's part of what makes it funny and and adventure absolutely it reminds me of my brother <laughs> is your bro- brother a fussy british butler 
not British, but very fussy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he, he's that like, he, he would rather be at his desk doing his job and not actually having direct contact with people. Yeah. Uh, well, well, C-3PO, his, his primary etiquette, uh, primary programming is etiquette and protocol. And mm -hmm. that involves people, you know, so he does like being with people, just not like dangerous people. Right. Not, not, not with, not the pew pew blaster people. So. Right. Yeah, not, fly, right. not flying around, potentially dying. Right. Exactly. exactly. Yes. And that's, a, that's, that's something that I, I love about learning new characters um, and whether it's, you know, C-3PO, who is a totally different character than, say, uh, Q90, right? So mm -hmm. Q90, very different from C-3PO. And it's really fun to try and uh, to, to learn about these new characters and then try and bring them, you know, to the screen in a way that makes you feel something. I Understood. honestly had never even thought about the fact that the entire, like, the entire original trilogy of seeing C-3PO, he is so uncomfortable. Yes. I, I legitimately had not thought about the fact that, no, he is not doing what he's programmed for. Right. Imagine the thing that you love doing or that you're born to do, the thing you're most comfortable doing, and you never get to do that. Imagine how you would, and, and <laughs> in fact, thrown into the most extreme opposites of those. That's, that's, uh, that would be pretty challenging putting, for, up for putting an introvert on the like the main stage of a concert right exactly <laughs> like it's a like it's a cool perspective notice. it is short notice yeah. yeah yeah it's a very cool perspective i'm gonna have to rewatch the original trilogy thinking about that now though with the no he's just he's not annoying he is so incredibly uncomfortable and so out of place right yeah, also, yeah absolutely he doesn't, he's like a, he's kind of like a goldfish. Like he keeps having his mind wiped, right? And R2 knows everything that's, <laughs> that's going true. on. Every, that's true. Uh, R2 knows everything from uh, the, from the, uh, <laughs> the, the old, the, well, I guess it would be from the Republic to the Empire to the, the Clone Wars and, and also uh, into the, the New Order. He knows all of it. So the thing about fear is when you're what makes people afraid is that they don't know what's going on they don't know what's in the dark closet or they don't know mm -hmm. what's you know what that noise was and so r2 knows everything he's seen everything that's why he goes you know uh when 3po goes what makes you think there are settlements over there he's like i've been here before right <laughs> you know and uh, 3po had his mind wiped so he's always afraid and uh and that's part of what makes him a funny character cool beans yeah i have a whole new appreciation for c3po right now absolutely good and i loved him anyway i've always loved c3po but now it's like it is very much the i get you now i understand this a little more oh see great it is kind of that like i feel like c3po in the original trilogy is kind of that like when they hand you your newborn in the hospital and you all of a sudden have that moment of the I don't know how to do this. <laughs> Wait, what? I've never um, done this before. Right. I, I do what now? You, you, you want me to have this? No, right. that's not a good idea. You're, you're sending me home with this? Right. This is mine? You know how few times I've done this before? Oh. <laughs> exactly. I mean, right. I, I, I knew getting into this that this is what was going to happen, but. Still, okay. it happens. It's, yeah. 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 Walking out of the hospital with a newborn is terrifying. Yeah. Yes, it is. 
All right. So Chris, you work on a lot of things Star Wars related. Mm -hmm. And we whenever we talk with somebody Star Wars related and, and are doing the things out in the Star Wars world, I always want to know what their entry was into the fandom. Now you talked earlier about being seven and, and being in that moment, absolutely mm -hmm. positively Luke Skywalker. But what was your entry point into the fandom that your earliest memory of, of Star Wars and what got your attention and what keeps you wanting to come back? Yeah, great question. Um, I was seven years old, and it, I'm dating myself, but I was seven years old in 1977. And uh, we went to the Christown Mall in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, and we waited in line. My parents took us uh, and to see Star Wars. Um, it was just called Star Wars. That was it. And um, And when watching the film... I was seeing stuff I'd never seen before. I wasn't like a sci-fi fan or anything. I mean, I was seven, you know, I, I just, right. I, and so, but going to it and seeing, I don't know, I would just feel like I was the perfect age. Um, I saw spaceships and robots and, and lightsabers and, mm -hmm. and Sith Lords and, and Jawas and, you know, moisture evaporators like it was it had everything and 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 also all the sound that went along with it and the music so um it just really ignited my imagination i i, I liked to draw as a kid so um i mean i still do but uh i was already drawing and um so anyway seeing all this stuff on on this big screen made me feel like because i was used to things like disney cartoons you know going to the movies to watch a disney movie that's kind of what I was used to. And so seeing this was just blew my mind. So that I thought that was it. I thought it was a one-time event that I will remember forever. So then there was figures that came out. So I like wanted to, I'd save up my money for my paper out and I would go buy, uh, you know, buy figures. And then I, um, then I would make up my own stories, you know, uh, in the backyard of, you know, everybody had like, Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker, but you know, what about like uh, R5D4 and the Death Star droid? You know, like what what was their adventures? Well, uh, you know, you kids at that age with no internet and three channels on television would just make up, you know, all this time to make up your own stories. And so it made Star Wars feel way bigger than just the film in my life. Um, and uh, I'm easily entertained by Star Wars. Okay, so. <laughs> I like for all the things I named before, that's why I keep coming back because I, I love to see, you know, everything new in this universe. Uh, so I, I am not I'm not a hypercritical, uh, you know, movie watcher in, in Star Wars. So that's what, what keeps coming back, coming back. But, you know, in in Mandalorian, um, there there's a lot of familiar looking things, right? Mm -hmm. uh i played a character called uh i played a character called um the ferryman who is a kubaz species uh character who looks really similar to the the um the spy in the spe streets of mosaisley that was that told the stormtroopers mm -hmm. to go to dr b 94 like yeah right so there's a lot of things in in mandalorian that that look really familiar so it so you feel comfortable, but they're new. And so you relate to them because you remember seeing something like mm -hmm. this in the past, you know, Mandalorian. Well, you, you've never seen him before, but you've seen Boba Fett and he kind of looks like Boba Fett, you know, that kind of thing. 
And then you have all these new stories that um, John Favreau and Dave Filoni have put together that that are um, that also feel familiar, but we've not seen these stories before. A lot of people haven't seen these stories. You know whether whether they're similar or or retellings or respun stories from old spaghetti westerns or samurai films. Mm-hmm. Or, you know they're like and those and those stories are spun up from older stories. So mm-hmm. you have these like really ancient stories that are being retold in a new way that and new characters that you have the familiar and you have the old and you have the new and it and it just feels really um relatable it feels really satisfying and so uh that's why why did it why do i keep coming back i just because i um I'm just such a nerd. I, I really, really like robots, but I love the creatures too and the ships and the sounds. But um, over the years, you know, when I turned 13 in Return of the Jedi, um, I, after Return of the Jedi, you know, you, you stop playing with the figures so much and you move on to the things, like became a musician and stuff. And then um, it wasn't until, I guess, 97 when the special editions came out again by then I was 27. So literally like, you know, 20 years later. And, uh, and I just, all of it just flooded back, you know, just, I was so, so, so happy. And then it just keep, then it just kept going. So, um, uh, anyway, that's, I guess that's what keeps coming back. That keeps me coming back same way in games. Like when you're making a game, how do you keep someone playing it? Well, you keep giving them amazing content. You can't give them crummy content because that's not going to guarantee they come back you have to give them amazing content and that's that's you know stories amazing stories like in in the in the mandalorian uh the book of boba fett and obi-wan kenobi things that we've never seen before but we wondered about and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. no i love your answer honestly i think i could listen to you talk about star wars all day just because there's a happiness (laughs) honestly there's a happiness in your voice and 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 you can tell that there's such an attraction to it and i and i feel very much the same way. So I was born in 76. So my first, mm. my first movie experience mm-hmm. was the, for me, remembering uh, anything Star Wars was Empire Strikes Back and going and seeing that in the theater and just, and, and very feeling very much the same way, just amazed by everything I saw and, and right. being so drawn into it. And to this day, that's still my all time favorite movie. Nothing else uh, will be ever be better in my opinion than, than Empire <laughs> Strikes Back. Right. Uh, a, lot, a lot of people tried, but they have failed. And, uh, <laughs> but so, yeah, I, I understand. And I, I identify with a lot of what you just said. And it's, that, and it's like, even when you're talking about the Mandalorian and Boba Fett, the simple fact that it's these, these, it's like old home week, right? It's, it, you know, it's the, I haven't seen this, but I feel like I've seen this. Yes. Right. And it's very comforting and comfortable and, and, and makes it that much more enjoyable to watch. So yeah, oh, I get what you're saying. And then they throw things like Grogu in there and you're like, wait a minute. Okay, so (laughs) there's a reason Grogu is the star of the show. Because I remember the first time I saw him was not on screen. It was when I was, uh, did my my screen test for this guy for Q90. So I went in and they did, uh, they brought the costume and I put on the costume and I came around the corner and I saw this green baby uh, <laughs> sitting, sitting on the counter. I was like, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, 
he looks familiar, but what, who is that? And, and, uh, you know, they're like, Oh, you'll find out. And I read the script and like, Oh, okay. He's, he's what we're calling the asset. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, uh, anyway, you know, George has said, and Dave Filoni has, has reiterated this star Wars is a morality tale for the rising generation. Right. Mm-hmm. So it is, um, it, those are who these are made for the like people you know kids that are like seven to 12 ish you know so i i feel like they've done a good job in uh now that bringing stuff that adults will really appreciate and you know maybe a little darker like in kenobi and things like that uh, but that's really who who these are made for so that's why you know the jawas in a new hope where we were like oh someone like my size you know mm-hmm. as, as a seven-year-old um and then there were Ewoks in Return of the Jedi, you know. By then I'm 12 and I'm like, what are these teddy bears? You know, but that they're not made for me. They were made for seven-year-olds, you know. Um, when you ask my kids who saw their first experience was um, the prequels, Jar Jar Binks is their favorite character. And I'm like, wow, that's surprising. And I'm like, no, you know, it, it, it it's not, it's surprising to me, but not to them because they're he was made for them. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Grogu, um, <laughs> he's made for everybody, but he but is. he was also, um, you know, that that kind of like you have all these serious kind of heavy story points and 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 character conflicts and stuff, but then you have this very special magical little fun. Oh, sorry, Yoda was in in Empire. He was the he was the that served that purpose in that one too. Mm-hmm. Um, you have these these soft, vulnerable, and probably, you know, cute, you know, characters that, uh, that really balance out the heavy stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so anyway, yeah, yeah I, 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 love, I love working with him. He's as real in person as he is on television. That's awesome. Gonna, that yeah. is the coolest. And I, I totally agree. Cause I, I mean, 1999 was when Phantom Menace came out mm-hmm. and I was seven. See? <laughs> And yeah. I loved Jar Jar. I mean, right. he's, as an adult, I look at his character with the, hmm, you're annoying. <laughs> but also the, no, you, you served a purpose. You were the comedic aspect. You were to get the kids into it. I totally get that. Well, and it's, it's to balance the story really, mm-hmm. because, you know, you have the, you have Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon who are on this really serious mission and plus it, you know Qui-Gon gets killed and and uh you know um Darth Maul is so scary you know and so then you have you have to have something to balance the force is all about balance it, it's Star Wars it's multi-generational it's fantastic yes right exactly and I'm so grateful that we still get to tell these stories and, and make up new characters and <laughs> so much fun and it's fun because there are some people who are like oh, more Star Wars stuff. I'm like, more Star Wars stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Give me more Star Wars stuff. Disney will keep producing yeah. it. I will keep watching it. Right. Yeah, same here. Oh, goodness. So not only have you been in Star Wars, but you've also been on the, let's call it the Star Trek side of things, having been in the Orville. Because <laughs> right. that, that is Star Trek. It is so Star Trek. Like, <laughs> it might be more Star Trek than Star Trek is sometimes. But well, you are you are a Kalon, yeah, in the Orville, and no spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen all of season three yet. Like mm-hmm. me, I haven't gotten there quite yet. I'm almost there. Mm-hmm. 
but I understand that the Kalon story arc in season three is pretty fantastic. Um, I still have to watch it. I haven't gotten there yet, but oh. yeah, no, I'm really excited to see the Kalons uh, come back. Um, that came because um, Kalons are robots, okay. and uh, I have a particular set of skills <laughs> i guess um, when with... you learn to do the robot you do the nice. robot. right exactly right i see, and I can I see be, what i see what you I did there be, right that's another star wars reference of liam neeson um anyway yeah so uh i was called in to bring to to be one of the kalons and, and you know there's about a billion and a half of them on their planet i guess i don't know but um but while I was there, um, Mark Jackson, who plays Isaac on the show, super, uh, super wonderful guy and, and a really great performer. Um, uh, Isaac is very different from C-3PO. In fact, it was like, yeah, no, no C-3PO would be seen in, in, in this kind of, uh, you know, performance. And, um, and so what, what we did while I was there is um, they asked me to... Uh, be sort of the the robot captain of the of the rest of the Kalon. So we would um, we were <laughs> it was really cool looking. We were downtown in in uh, downtown Los Angeles um, at the Die Hard building. Um, the the you know the building um, I can't remember what it was it was called. Uh, not anyway. Um, we were filming that in that building and outside uh there's all these kalons were like marching around in step and and going around the on the sidewalks and everything and what we were trying to do is we all they they wanted me to train them to walk in step and so i would go you know left left you know that kind of thing and uh and so very stay very the way that mark had um had taught us how to move like isaac and uh, so that was that was that, and that was a, it was a lot of fun. So I got to be uh, one of the the featured. They just brought they just brought me on because they knew of my work as as right. C three uh, But it was just funny because it was another robot, you know. That I is do super other things, cool, but yeah. <laughs> that is super cool. I was just I was wondering and thinking about the the difference between being on the Orville set and being on a Lucasfilm set. How is that vastly different? Was it? Um, I mean, the technology was different. Um, the Orville was more traditional uh, on location and things like that. And uh, and while the Mandalorian um, sets, there are location sets, um, but you know, sometimes you're in the volume, and uh, and so that was just a unique experience all on its own. Um, I thought I, I think going into the Orville, I thought it was think it was going to be a goofier set because it was Seth MacFarlane. I'm such mm -hmm. a huge fan of his, um, but he's actually very serious about not only his role but also telling a, a good story um, and and that everything looking right and and so uh, yeah, it wasn't. He's very serious. Um, it was not like goof around time. I find that fascinating cool. because he seems like such a goofy person. But... Yeah, like how could you control that? All that goofy right. energy. He, he's he's you know he's a serious performer and writer and uh, and producer. And so he's you know when when you have a job and you're serious about it, you know, not a lot of time for goofing around. I guess. Right. Excellent. Yeah, that's so cool. I would love to work with Seth MacFarlane. That would just be fun. Yeah. So we have a Facebook group and it has over 200,000 members. Wow. And it is just memes of everything. Uh -huh. uh, 
That's all it is. It's just memes, memes, memes all day long. I so see. let's say that you are a droid. Yeah. Of which you're used to, and you have crash landed in a on a planet not in your droid's universe. What okay. droid what droid are you and where did you crash? Not in my universe? Right. Ooh, that's a big big uh let's see. So um I really I have to be honest, I really like the bounty hunters. I've played two of them now. I play uh, Q90, uh, and then I also play One Jack, who um, is, uh, I like to call him the son son of Forlam for Empire. Uh, yeah. You know, he he appeared in, in Kenobi. And um, so I played both of them. Uh, I would love to see them at a buddy cop show, but um, anyway. <laughs> um, um, oh, but then I, I then, would watch that. Yeah, right, right. Um, but anyway, I so planet Earth, budding cop, got it. The, the the bounty hunters are are fun in Star Wars because they they have mysterious backstories. They could be any any backstory. They don't. It's not like a you know they're not all the same. Um, and they're they're a little unpredictable. They have their you know they're 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 not really good guys or bad guys. It just depends on who paid them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they also have the coolest equipment. You know, like. Ammo, ammo belts and bandoliers and such great weapons and and uh, and such cool. You know, they always look a little more sinister than uh, than the typical protocol droids, right? You know, look at that face, right? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so I like the bounty hunters. So I would say I'd be a bounty hunter. Where did I crash land? It would have to be. It would have to be a a place with a lot of action, you know, a lot, those, those tend to be, you know, city planets, uh, not like a Hoth, you know, situation. Um, so, but one that's not in my universe, uh, I mean, bounty hunters could be from any, you know, Forlom was originally a cruise on a cruise ship and then he reprogrammed himself to be a, a thief. Uh, so, I mean, hmm, out of their universe, I'm not sure. I, I, I don't know. I pick a city planet. Um, we've seen Coruscant, uh, but something with a nice dark underbelly. How about that? I'll say that. Mm. <laughs> Fair enough. We yeah. can go with that for sure. Okay. All right. So, Chris, we're at a stage of our conversation where we like to take our guests through a little bit of a quiz. Love it. Let's go. All right. So, this is a four question quiz. All the questions are multiple choice. Okay. Okay. Now, if you, it's a four, like I said, four questions. If you get three of the questions correct, we want to send you the book that Kathleen's holding up, which is called Custodians of the Cosmos. It's written about a young man who joins something like Starfleet, but not Starfleet for, you know, litigious reasons. And it is, (laughs) uh, when he washes out, he does rejoin, but as a custodian to boldly clean up after those who had boldly just went. (laughs) Okay. All right. uh, There's also lots of things about cheese in it. There's lots of cheese references, that's for sure. Cheese. All right. So, I love yeah. cheese. Yeah. Uh, and so if you get three questions, we'll send you the book. If you get yeah. two questions uh-huh. or less, we take a picture of you, we make a meme out of you, and we put you <laughs> in that Facebook group that Nick was just referencing. We like to call it our fun sequence. All right. Well, I'm kind of I'm kind of excited for the two, but I will try for three. <laughs> but, you know, the two sounds... Sounds pretty funny. Okay. Both options are pretty great. Yeah. There you go. All right. 
Let's go. All right. Now, now what if I get it. all four? Um, we give you an extra thumbs up. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> we, we, you get, you get Star all... Wars trivia questions? <laughs> the, the quiz is called Everything That Glitters is probably C-3PO. All right. Okay, here we go. If you get all four, we mocked him for making quizzes too easy again. Okay, good. Look, Sam Witwer has already destroyed any Star Wars quiz I already threw at his feet, so. <laughs> all right, this yeah. deal is getting better all the time. All right. <laughs> Question one. In the movies, C-3PO and Darth Vader share how many scenes, this is not counting when he is Anakin. Is it A, four, B, three, or C one. I thought you were gonna say C three. Okay, wait. It's what? What are the what are the choices again? A four, B three, or C one. Or three or one. Okay. Um, in all of the movies. Yes. Okay. Uh, sharing with Darth Vader. As Darth Vader, not as Anakin. Right, not as Anakin. Okay. Uh, movies, not TV shows. Correct. Right. Okay. So um, there's Cloud City. There's the... Uh, wait, wait. There's this the um, Carbonite Freezing Chamber. Um, wow. Is it one? Yeah. Yep. Wow. <laughs> it's only it's only when Han gets frozen at the carbonite freezing. Right. And then there's that mysterious moment when Boba Fett goes to shoot Chewbacca, who's carrying C-3PO and the Vader and lowers his weapon. What does that mean? Right. Hey, he remembers C-3PO. Maybe. C-3PO might yeah. not remember anything, but, <laughs> but Anakin was <laughs> sneaking. Anakin was sneaking through. Right. Question right. number two. Okay. What sci-fi movie influenced C-3PO's design? Oh, that's easy. It's Dumb and Dumber. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you said it's multiple choice. Oh, <laughs> I could totally see that. I want a Dumb and Dumber movie with C-3PO and R2-D2 now. Right, right. Oh, Don't tell Daniels I said that. Okay. What's the choice? Uh, I already a, know what it is, but just go ahead. A, Flash Gordon. B, Metropolis. Or C, the day the Earth stood still. Metropolis. That is correct. Yeah. yeah, there's even there's even uh, parts of his costume that are that are if you look at them side by side, it's it's uh, almost identical. Hmm. Oh, yeah, cool. the arms, it's, little it's, the little halo around the head, and everything. Yeah, yeah things are very close. Yeah. It, All right, what? that's two. That is two. <laughs> two for two. In number three, what in what movie? Do 3PO's eyes turn Sith red? Was it Rise of Skywalker, Empire Strikes Back, or Revenge of the Sith? Uh, Rise of Skywalker. That's, that's three. Because that's the, that's the last film that we've seen him in. And it was the one where he says, I want to take one last look at my friends. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's the book. You won the book. Okay. All right, and now to shame Tim's quiz. Mm -hmm. Question number four. In what mm -hmm. movie was C-3PO given away as a gift? A, gift? 
Fuck it. <laughs> Phantom Menace, B, The Last Jedi, or C, Return of the Jedi? Return of the Jedi. That is correct. Right. Tim, you really need to make harder quizzes for these Star Wars people. He was he was so so shocked that he would oh, be no. given away as a gift. What are you talking about? And also, why is R2 making this announcement? I mean, it was it was a hilarious moment. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. That so is all I get, four. I get, I get a thumbs up, right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And a book. A, we'll send you a book. I have a feeling that that screenshot is going to go many, many places when my husband edits this episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, great. That was fun. Thank you so much. Good job. Thank you. I've studied extensively. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Clearly. Well, Chris, thank you so much for being on the show today. Where can our listeners go to find out more about you and your upcoming works? Um, Instagram is the, is the place that I, I, I don't, I don't have time to do everything. So Instagram is the, where, the place where I go. So, uh, uh, just go to Chris F Bartlett on Instagram and, um, yeah, it, it's all, it's all basically Star Wars stuff or Star Wars art because I'm an artist as well. And it's mostly that and acting stuff, some acting stuff's on there too. But, um, yeah, I, I love robots. I love, you know, here's the other thing I've got, um, some conventions coming up and so I'll post on there where I'm going yeah um and what I love most about the conventions is uh as a costumer I love it love it when Star Wars fans come over in costume and what what we do is I want to see your character because I see I can see your costume but I want to see your character come through the costume right um because any anyone can just be a stormtrooper walking around just like as, as a regular human but if those if those stormtroopers are like scanning, you know, menacingly, or staring at you, or lean in and go, let me see your identification, you know, something like that. Um, I love that. <laughs> and so I'll do. So what I do is I, I like to collect characters at conventions. And what I'll do is do little little videos, and then I stitch them all together real fast, and and you get to see uh, yourself as a character because when you're in the costume, it's hard to really get an idea of how you look as a character um so anyway i put those together i post them on my instagram if you uh go check there and you see you yourself there comment and then i can tag you in it um but i just love collecting characters and i love talking to people about bringing out their character through their costume well we are definitely going to make sure that we link your instagram oh. so that our viewers and our listeners can find you all right guys we want to remind you that subscribing is the single most important thing that you can do to help us to continue to grow and to get amazing guests like Chris Bartlett here today to hear of these uh, amazing stories and, and fun moments for you to be able to listen to. So please subscribe and go check out Chris uh, on his, his socials. You clearly will not be disappointed by the content you find there. And if you do meet up with him at a Comic-Con or uh, some other event like that, please wear your cosplay and go say hello. But for whatever reason, if you are not happy with the content of our show today, please feel free to complain to the head of our complaint department. That, of course, is Q90, or Zero as he's known to his bounty hunting buddies. Zero is, of course, a protocol droid who worked as a mercenary during the time of the New Republic. Ruthless, precise, and efficient are words that you could use to describe Zero. And being so, just one properly filled out copy of the complaint form will do. It's really all he's going to need. 
and he will find his target and wipe them out. Unless, of course, they're a child and under the protection of a Mandalorian named Din Djarin. But he doesn't really like to talk about that too much. Seriously, don't bring it up. It won't end well for you. Not unless you also want some blaster holes. Well, thanks again, Chris. Love Thank it. you, Chris. This has been a Thank lot of fun. You. It's been my pleasure to be with you guys. Thank you so much for uh, for asking me. Thank you. All right, guys, that's going to conclude us for the FSF podcast. Goodbye. Bye. Ciao. On behalf of the rest of the hosts of the FSF Popcast, we want to thank you for listening to this episode. If you'd like to be a guest on a future episode, please contact us by means of Twitter or Instagram using the handle at FSF Popcast or go to www.fsfpopcast.com and click on the contact me link. Thanks again and hope you enjoyed the episode. <laughs>